Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. And as Officer Derby always reminds me to remind you, also available on all your popular podcast platforms. My name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this allegedly weekly radio program. I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Matt Hill, sound engineer extraordinaire. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning, Chief. You got this seamlessly in the transition. Today is Friday, May... It's Friday the 13th. Why are we here? Today is Friday, May 13th, 2022. We have a special guest joining us. But before I introduce her, let's get a check of the weather. We'll talk about a couple news items. And uh, then we'll get to the show. Here is your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, May 13th. Greetings! Today, partly sunny with a high of 82. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low of 62. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a high of 80 with isolated thunderstorms. That's your latest WTBR forecast. <clears throat> For more weather forecast and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Caleb Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! All right, thanks for tuning in again. This is On Patrol with the PPD here on WTVR 89.7 FM. A uh, couple of newsworthy items. Uh, so I guess, you know, in a, on a personal note, uh, technically I've been off this week. It hasn't worked out so well. This, this has been the week consumed by all things Peace Officers, Standards and Training Commission business, and body-worn cameras. More to come on that. Uh, as most of you are probably aware, City Council endorsed a petition to have the Pittsfield Police Department adopt body cams. Um, you know, obviously that is something we have to pursue and implement. There's still some unanswered questions, and uh, actually I know my guest has some meetings scheduled on this uh, topic as well, so maybe she can inform us of where they've kind of landed on this. Um, in other news, and I'm not really going to belabor the, the point of this, um, the Berkshire County District Attorney's Office has filed an appeal in a recent manslaughter case uh, that was dismissed by the judge. Um, it, and they, you know, it, it's a case involving uh, DCF and foster parents. And the district attorney's office has decided that the judge was in error when they uh, entertained the motion to dismiss and dismiss these charges. So they have appealed that. Uh, so more to come on that. Uh, it, newsworthy, not law enforcement or police related, but definitely newsworthy. Um, the nearly doubling in in diesel prices has severely impacted transport and uh, transit in in the Commonwealth and in the country. I was reading the article in the Berkshire Eagle this morning about this, and I was struck by it. I think I've talked about it on the program in the past. Um, my stepfather, when I was growing up, was a long-haul trucker, and I actually spent a fair amount of time on the road with him on vacations and during summers. And the idea that the cost of diesel could double within three or four weeks is just is mind-numbing. Um, you know, that the trucking industry is an industry that's been decimated in recent years for a variety of reasons, and this is just another hit. Um, and obviously, you know, every product that we 
purchase in stores needs to get there via land transport so um you know that that's simply gonna impact all of us and I guess by way of segue, we can say in breaking news. Uh, so joining us in studio this morning is uh, my friend and colleague, Chief Deanna Strout of the Dalton Police Department. And although it's first thing in the morning for me, she's been at work for nearly four hours because <laughs> there's a significant structure fire in the town of Dalton. Yes. Yes. Um, Let's just say my phone's been ringing a lot. Okay. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy morning to be with us here. Um, that's not always easy. Sometimes you got to stay on scene and, and manage the incident. So the fact that you broke away, uh, that, that actually speaks highly of, you know, your leadership in the team you've developed that you could step away and delegate. Yeah, they're, they're good humans. And that fire department we have is top notch. So. All right. Nice. So. Welcome, Chief. I love saying that. Um, so thanks for coming on. I think you're the first of my Berkshire Law Enforcement Council colleagues to take me up on the invitation to come spend some time on the show. Clearly, I'm not good at making decisions. Nice then. for stepping up. <laughs> <laughs> you can be the first of many, hopefully. Uh, so let's... Uh, I'm just going to stick to the normal format that we adhere to here on the show. And normally when we have a guest in studio, we have them start by telling our viewers and listeners a little bit about themselves. Okay. Who are you? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Okay. What do you do? All right. So I grew up in Dalton. I went to Wakona High School. So, And I've been on the police department in Dalton for 24, just over 24 years now. Um, I got promoted to chief last February of 21, so still adapting to that new role and responsibilities that come along with it. Um, we have three children. I'm married to a lovely Pittsfield police sergeant. Would we say lovely? Well, I kind of have to. <laughs> yes, he's lovely. He's handsome. He's, he's so handsome. He's a good-looking dude. <laughs> He's probably not going to talk to me for the rest of the day now. But, it's okay. Um, we have three children, and um, that keeps us quite busy. So we're, uh, you know, work and family life and balancing that, that action is, is always fun. You have three very busy children. We do. And three athletes, basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 So the, the oldest is now in college, um, and she took, took the civil service exam. God help really? all of us. Really? <laughs> she's going to be your problem, not mine. Good for so, her. So, yeah, she's pretty excited. Um, she. How old is she now? 19. All right, so 19. a couple years. Yeah. We have a couple years to prepare. Yes. Awesome. We all do. And uh, she's a criminal justice major at BCC currently. So, um, and then our son will be heading into his senior year in the fall, and uh, he's doing quite well. And then our, our youngest, yeah. <laughs> She's a middle schooler. I don't think I have to say anything more. <laughs> uh, current softball player, and uh, she's she keeps us on our toes for sure. I don't I don't get to see and interact with your children as often as I probably did in the past, and I'd like to. But I you know I follow your exploits and oh, yeah. your stories of them on social mm -hmm. media, and your youngest is a hoot. Well, she's amazing. <laughs> I don't know that I'd say she's a hoot, but she is a a prankster, and she's a hoot for everyone else but her parents. But you know, she is she's a lot of fun. She uh, she's a very much of a prankster, you know. And it's uh, gee, I wonder where she gets that I, from. No idea, no idea. You know, it started when she was five years old, and she was putting brownies You're, under Mark's pillow 
So he your, would think there was... Uh, your brother recently had a birthday, He right? did. Yeah. yeah, my brother yeah. and my cousin. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Which are always marked by yes. horrific yeah. pranks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's kind of our family trait, I think. And we have a lot of fun with each other. And, yeah. you know, we have close siblings and close cousins. And you know that's always going to be an issue <laughs> every time. All right. So let's wind the clock back a little. Um, now, I'm not even sure Lieutenant Hill is aware of this. So in addition to being currently serving colleagues... Uh, Chief Strout and I have a a long <laughs> history uh, going back to when I was a well I was a patrol officer and you were a reserve. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, so a, a couple significant things that we probably need to parse out a little bit in the interest of full disclosure. So um, did we meet through Anna Maria? I Is think. That, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So when we were both pursuing. Uh, well, in both of our cases now, our first master's yes, degrees, yes. Um, you know, because Chief Strout has multiple master's degrees <laughs> and I'm, I'm working on another one. It's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Um, so we both enrolled in the satellite program from Anna Maria College for a, a master's degree in criminal justice and classes were held at Berkshire Community College. Mm-hmm. And um, that that attempt was actually my second. So I had enrolled with an earlier cohort uh, did not get along with my classmates, wasn't really feeling it, um, finished a class and then didn't re-enroll, and then waited a little bit until my first cohort had graduated <clears throat> went back, was uh, fortunate to end up in a cohort with Chief Strout, um, our departed friend, uh, Paul. He mm-hmm. just, it, it was a good group of people. Really nice. Um, and we actually ended up working uh, on our capstone together. We did. So we, we were in class together for a while, and we ended up doing our final project together. Uh, we can get into that a little bit mm-hmm. as we maybe move into some of the stuff that's occupying us in our, in our current professions. So friends for a long time. Very, yeah. Uh, and I'm not 100% positive, but I think I was actually with you the night you met Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's actually quite a funny story um, how I met him. You know, he backed me up on a call. He was canine then. Um, You know, he may or may not have uh, pointed a firearm in our direction, thinking we were the bad guys. It was kind of a funny call. Um, You know, we laugh about it. I've not uh, heard this part of this story. Yeah, it's a a great story. I probably shouldn't say it on the radio for the first time, but no, it's a a good story. And um, he was doing a track for a bad guy, and and, uh, he came to back us up. And that was actually the first time I had met him. And then um, he backed me up on a couple other calls. And then we all went to dinner, I believe, that night. So, um, you know, and somehow... He showed up at that dinner, and it was just the rest was history after that. So. Yeah. He, he yeah. won the lottery and didn't even play that day. Yeah, that, 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 was, <laughs> that was a memorable night. It was. Um, yeah. So we're, you know, we're in school together. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're dating my classmate, and uh, you know, we know each other. You're not even full-time police yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is probably where this story takes the, the greatest turn. So 2001... We finish. We finish yep. school. Yep. I get promoted. I get called into my chief's office, and I'm told that uh, he was at a chief's meeting recently. There's going to be a restaffing and a restructuring at the Western Mass Police Academy, which at the time was located in Agawam, mm-hmm. and uh, he has decided that you know it's in the department's best interest, and he he wants me as a 
new ambitious young sergeant to be assigned to the staff down there. So I'm pretty much directed or voluntold to put my <laughs> paperwork in to see if I can be uh, accepted as a staff instructor at the police academy. And we don't have to get into the details, but the interim director at the time had been on the staff at the academy for a while. Uh, she and I did not always see eye to eye. We'd actually had a, a pretty big running in when I was down there for firearms instructor school. And I didn't, I didn't think I had a chance that I w she was going to accept me onto the staff because we just, you know, we didn't get along. Uh, to my surprise, she did accept me on the staff. And so I get the word that I'm going to be accepted. I got to go to staff instructor school and be accepted to the academy as a staff instructor. And we are assigned the date of our first class. Um, coincidentally, I had decided uh, in the tradition that I learned when I was at the Naval Academy in my brief time um, as an officer candidate in the Marine Corps, that I wanted to celebrate my promotion to sergeant with what in, you know, in the military would be called a, a, a wedding down. So we're going we're gonna to have a party to celebrate my promotion. Uh, my ex and I schedule that party. Obviously, you're on the guest list. And after we've scheduled the party and, you know, sent out the invitations for this promotional uh, event, you get orders to the police academy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got quickly uninvited. <laughs> you were there. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. um, and so my, fr my first class as a staff instructor at the academy is going to include uh, a student who, you know, at the time is my dear friend and as you can imagine listeners viewers this presents a problem yeah <laughs> little little bit of a conflict <laughs> we just stayed away from each other did we well we tried <laughs> i still so, have ptsd from your good night three sixes in your no notebook stop <laughs> it's been like 20 something stop. years he was mean everyone he was mean he was the mean mean instructor in the academy don't let him fool you that there's a whole nother story there maybe later in the program or for another day um so we have the party on saturday it's a good party we'll just leave it at that there's there's an amazing picture of mark and i from sunday morning um and then you know everybody goes their separate ways Sunday is a day of rest, and bright and early Monday morning, uh, we got a report to the academy. <clears throat> you, you did not have an easy first day. I don't think anyone has an easy first day, but yours was unique, though. Yeah, it was, it was a little unique. He was mean. He was I, extra mean to show that he had no favoritism towards me. Don't. I stayed away from you. You were mean. I stayed away <laughs> from you until I couldn't. Um, so, as you already said, uh, you're lovely husband at the time was a canine handler you're dating a canine handler you're already a working reserve cop so yep. it's not like you got brand new issue to go to the academy right and that combination of factors uh, working uniforms broken in uniforms and spending a lot of time with a canine contributes to a couple different things one is there's a lot of dog hair <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite story from the academy actually <laughs> a lot of dog hair yeah. and the other and i this is unfathomable still to this day is that because you spent time around both mark and his partner mm -hmm. uh you made a habit of regularly carrying dog treats yeah yeah in yep. in your cruiser coat yep forgot that it, the, the patrol jacket we had at the time had um 
an exceptionally large amount of pockets. <laughs> and I was actually accused of keeping snacks for the guy next to me in line. I was accused of, of lots of things with all those pockets. Um, but the day, you know, I always rolled my, my stuff to make sure I had Jack's hair off of it. And I, I missed a piece. And, you know, you guys jumped right on that one piece of dog hair that I left behind. And somehow I had to do a class presentation on the Iditarod. And I had to explain to you why I was registered for the Iditarod. Um, it was really, it was actually very funny. So having to, uh, and I, I took that seriously and did a great presentation on the Iditarod. I learned a lot. You did a great presentation. Yeah. So we're, we'll, we'll wrap this portion up, but I, I have to, we have to finish this. I have to tell the story. So we're going to the Academy and I know I've got this potential conflict of interest. Um, the Academy staff at the time was exceptionally large. They brought in six of us actually to start that class. We talked a little bit with some of our recent graduates about their Academy experience. Um, Police Academy to this day is you know a semi-paramilitary environment. Day one is not fun for anyone, whether it's student officers or the staff. Uh, it's pretty intense. Um, some people don't don't make it through day one in one of my later classes after we moved to STCC uh, Springfield Technical Community College actually had a student officer faint uh, within minutes of arriving just because you know they didn't like the volume and um, fell forward on missed their duty bag fell forward struck their head were put in an ambulance and we never saw them again like that that was it that was the end of their police academy experience um, so I'm so at Agawam, the old building, it was a um, it was like a work uh, works home for boys when it was originally built. Uh, just a horrific gothic structure, and uh, behind it, between the building and the parking lot, was this you know lengthy driveway that we referred to as the rear company street. And so the student officers have arrived. They're formed up online on the rear company street. Student officer Strout is down at the end closest to the student parking lot and in the interests of you know preserving our our relationship and friendship i make the decision to stay at the other end of the line so i'm as far away from student officer stroud as i possibly can be and i'm doing what staff instructors do and i'm inspecting uniforms and you know introducing myself forcibly to our new charges. That's such a nice way of saying what it was. <laughs> and, uh, you know, questioning them about their appearance and, you know, their motivation and what, you know, it, it, it's an intense conversation. And all of a sudden, it, it's, it, it couldn't have been, it couldn't have been three minutes. And all of a sudden, from the far end of the rear company street, I hear, Sergeant Wynn! Sergeant Wynn! <laughs> and I'm like, boom. And I look, and the two, two of my fellow staff instructors are shark attack on student officer Strout. Like, <laughs> Sergeant Wynn, get down here. Is this one of yours? And I go running down, and uh, to, it, Sergeant Gould. <laughs> He's, he's the best. Sorry, he, he is just like, are you a sled dog musher? Are we in the Yukon? And I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. And there are dog treats on the ground around your feet. And yeah. It it was it was bad. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I think I've permanently blocked that from my memory at this point. But oh, yeah. well, I'm I'm glad to refresh yeah. your memory. Thank you so much. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna tell one more quick. No, we're gonna tell two more quick stories oh, about gosh. our interactions in the academy because I think this serves as a a preview of coming attractions about your success in law enforcement so the the second day 
we have to do the initial PT assessment. Mm -hmm. And Agawam doesn't have a gym and it didn't have a track. So we had made arrangements to do the initial PT assessment and we were at one of the local colleges mm. in Springfield. Mm -hmm. They had an indoor running track above the gym floor and then the gym floor that we could do the static events. And so uh, we're on the gym floor and I'm walking across the gym floor to go do something else with another part of the staff and I have the misfortune of walking past student officer Strout. And I don't even remember how, how it played out, but um, I think you failed to greet me. And so I called your attention to that, and you rolled your eyes. <laughs> you have, I can tell you, like, you know, we've had this conversation many times over the years, and I will swear to this day, it was not, if you know, and I'm sure if he says I did, I did, but it was certainly not an intentional rolling of the eyes. I think it was like a subconscious, like, oh, crap, you know, and, and uh, you know, because we're still adapting into, you know, we're pretty new into the academy, adapting into what our expectations are and what our behaviors need to be, and... Um, so of course so, it just happened to be. So it's way. so it's day two of the police academy. A little sidebar here. So that that was the I didn't know where I was going that morning. So that was the day that I had um, parked my personal vehicle in the parking lot at the ground round, and one of my fellow staff instructors picked me up to take me to school, and or to the college. And after this whole thing was over, when I got back there, the car wouldn't my car wouldn't start. It had had a serious mechanical malfunction, mm -hmm. so we had to have it towed. I have no idea how that happened. Yeah, well, <laughs> I I do. It had nothing to do with you, unfortunately. Um, but just a little sidebar. So we had to have it towed. But it, so it's abandoned in this parking lot. It wasn't even a parking spot because I thought I was just going to follow the, my colleague to, um, to the campus. And when the car wouldn't start, I jumped in his car and left it there. And so they ran it. It came back to Pittsfield. They called Pittsfield PD. They're like, he's a cop. And so we're at the college doing the PT assessment, and Springfield PD is looking for me because they think I just disappeared from this parking lot in Springfield oh on a gosh. Monday night. So that that was interesting. Um, turned out that my car nearly exploded that morning. I was lucky it didn't, so interesting. Um, so back to the, the PT assessment. So you roll your eyes at me. And obviously, having had the experience from yesterday, I can't do anything about it. So I have to call another staff instructor over. I call, I think it was Sergeant Gould again. I call him over. I explain what just happened. He unloads on you. Yep. And, and that was it. Our friendship was pretty much ruined. <laughs> just for those, like, 23 weeks. So fast forward. So she's <laughs> mad. Mad. And she can't say or do anything about it. So fast forward, Academy was what, 18 weeks at that time? I think it was in the 20s. 20, yeah, it was 20 like weeks. 21, 22. Um, so now we're like three weeks from graduation and we're at patrol procedures, which is the <laughs> like the um, practical simulation events. And we're over at um, Barnes Air yep. Force Base in, in Westfield. Yep. And I'm a role player for one of these scenarios where uh, you know they have to take me out of a car. She and her partner have to take me out of the car. They have to interact with me. Eventually, they have to decide if they're going to arrest me, and then they have to search me, you know, mm -hmm. cuff me, frisk me, and uh, take me into custody. And I'm a defensive tactics and officer safety instructor, so I've got, um, wep you know, simulated weapons concealed on my person. I've got, you know, handcuff keys hidden on my person. That, this is this is designed to make it difficult and to make sure that they have to perform a very thorough frisk. And so they've got me handcuffed. I'm at the back of the target car. They're going through the frisk. They're doing everything right. You know, splitting the body in half, taking responsibility for their half, contacting cover. 
Chief Strout finds the hidden handcuff key, and she's like, where there's one, there's more, right? If there's one, there's two. And so in response to her frustration, not only that I've, the scenario is difficult, uh, but for the her anger for the last, like, 15 weeks, 18 weeks, um, she reaches inside my waistband and gives me the most severe wedgie I have ever experienced in my life. I was just looking for the key. <laughs> That's how I found it. So we call a halt to the scenario. <laughs> we next the scenario. Um, she goes back to the staging area in the mess hall for uh, you know her her debrief. Um, I go to the facilities <laughs> to repair, you know, yourself, my deep, my debrief, <laughs> um, square myself away. And when I come out of the men's room, she's sitting at a table with, I think, four of your classmates, all of whom are women. And she's she's telling this story <laughs> and they're sitting there. There is no way you did that to Sergeant Wynn. You're full of it. There is no <laughs> way. And I just keep walking and under my breath, I'm like, Oh yeah, she did. She definitely <laughs> did. And they just yes. burst out laughing. Yeah. Those, um, uh, those specific classmates are still very good friends. Yeah. Uh, today we, we talk every holiday and go to dinner and they're great people. So we've spent a lot of time talking about your, introduction to full-time yes. law enforcement mm-hmm. um and it's entertaining and it's like a fun trip down memory lane but i also think it speaks to you and your character because you were a good student officer you you know other than the eye roll thing you were prepared and, and mm-hmm. uh, respectful and, and you worked really hard uh, but you were also not gonna let things lie and you were not above taking an opportunity when you saw it um and well, that well, let's of... not forget the um end of the academy when we did the uh, final fitness assessment and i may or may not have got my hands on your high school photo and made t-shirts yeah. out of those yeah and you know the rule in the academy as long as everyone's in uniform as so long as they're all the same right? i purchased 48 t-shirts with um chief wins high school graduation photo not just mine you no, managed but... to find photos of all yeah. the staff i got all of them by and that I... time we were down to four Yep, and I had T-shirts made, and we all agreed to get there early, and we all put those T-shirts on. And uh, when the staff instructors showed up, and all forty-eight of us had T-shirts with uh, pretty funny photos of their faces on them. My, um, I think back now and and think how how dumb that was. My my high school graduation photo. Um, one mm-hmm. of my one of my fellow staff instructors was a captain at the time. Uh, he had come up through one of the departments out there spent a lot of time on the task force you somehow you got your hands on the photo from his undercover id i did i did his wife gave me that by the way. <laughs> <laughs> i had i had my ways all the way he, back then i was able to he looked like a complete hooligan yeah, it was great um but so creativity mm-hmm. initiative um Seeing opportunity where maybe other people's wouldn't see opportunity. I, I think those are character traits that set you up for success and yeah. kind of led to where you are now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's been a, you know, 24 years in Dalton where I grew up. There's uh, benefits and, and difficulties when you live and work and grow up in the town that you police in. It's, you know, it's, you know, everyone and everyone knows you. And everyone knows me. 
And I, I, I take that in stride, though. I enjoy it. So we've got a few minutes left before we have to check the weather again and do some station identification. We, you know, so we pretty much led the show with your intro to law enforcement. Mm-hmm. We'll come back after this break and um, talk about you know what what it's like being the chief and what you're working on now. Um, but before we do that, when you're not working, mm-hmm. you're kind of a fitness fanatic. Yes. Yeah. I uh, go to the CRA three mornings a week with their the grind class. I just I'm going to say I ran a 10K, but I will say that loosely. It was not really a great time, but I did beat my 19-year-old daughter. So it's kind Is of... It Mother's Day? Um, I think it was the week before, week Mother's, before Day, Mother's Day, May 1st. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, I love the CRA. I'm always there. They have great programs. So. And you're an instructor, right? Uh, not anymore. No. Ever since COVID hit, um, I was a spin instructor and I was a certified group fitness instructor. But um, once COVID hit, I kind of shut down all those programs and... I haven't gone back because my life has turned upside down with this new position. So that'll happen. Yep, you know, that, that, I don't have to tell you. No, that'll that'll kind of happen. <laughs> so, um, so when you're not working, fitness, mm-hmm. and so how many master's degrees do you have now? Uh, I have two. So, so you have criminal yeah, justice. Criminal justice, and then I have a second master's in public administration, and also um, a, the minor certificate in there was criminal justice administration. So. And did you tell me when we were at a chief's meeting recently, you think about going back to school? I am. Um, I am completely fascinated by genealogy um, mm-hmm. and how it solves cold cases. And you're able to, you know, connect genealogy to DNA samples. And, you know, it's pretty interesting. I'm, I'm outing my, my nerd here, so... It's okay. Nerds rule the world. So you're going back to school to study genealogy? Well, I didn't say I was going. I okay. looked. You, you I looked. looked. Okay, you're exploring the possibility. Yeah, I have a very nice husband that every time I say I'm going to go to school, he's like, okay. <laughs> and he just... Listen, he's my classmate and he's my friend and brother and I love him, but he could place a little more emphasis on education. Oh, we've, we've had that conversation. You could ask him. <laughs> I love education. I would go to school forever if I could. Um, you know, I, I love him to death, but it, it's like, look, it... You have ambition. You have to do the work. (laughs) All right. So let's take a um, break to check the weather, check some PSAs, and we'll come back. And now we'll switch from student officer Strout to chief Strout. Oh, great. WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, May 13th. Greetings! Today, partly sunny with a high of 82. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low of 62. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a high of 80 with isolated thunderstorms. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecast and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities.
Is your little one safe inside your vehicle? Is the child seat installed properly? Is it the correct seat for your child? Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madeline with the Pittsfield Police Department, reminding you to please keep your children safe. Follow the safety seat manufacturer's recommendations for height and weight, and check NHTSA's website or our Facebook page for recommendations. If you have a question or would like your seat installation checked, please contact our department at 413-448-9700, extension 575. Our officers are certified safety seat installers. Thank you. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Better weather is around the corner. Expect an increase in the number of pedestrians on walkways, cyclists sharing our roads, and kids playing outside. It is imperative we all pay better attention while driving, walking, running, and cycling. So we need to do our part in keeping everyone safe by adhering to the rules of the road. Wear bright clothing if you are walking or running. If you are driving, please slow down and don't drive while distracted. Pay attention. Let's keep each other safe. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Welcome back to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television and available on all of your popular podcast platforms. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield and one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this purportedly weekly radio program. I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Matt Hill, who's running the board. Hello. And our <laughs> special guest, Chief Deanna Strout of the Dalton Police Department, who has been taking a trip down memory lane with me about the beginning of her career. Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, let, you know, let's basically skip 23 years of dedicated law enforcement service <laughs> <laughs> and get to the last what, 15 months, really. Yeah, yeah. So 15 months ago, February of 2021, you were selected and appointed yeah. Chief of Police in the town of Dalton, rising through the ranks to be the chief of the agency you came up with from a reserve status right. to full-time uh, supervisor and then chief. Yep. So how's your year been? <laughs> uh, it's busy. It's, it's, you know, I love patrol. I always say that. Um, I wear my full, as you can see, my full uniform, full duty belt um, to work every day, just on the off chance. Guys need backup, and they may let me come on a call with them once in a while. Allow you to. They do. They, they'll stick their head in my office. They're like, come on. I'm like, okay, thanks. You know, and I love that. And, you know, I do fill patrol shifts here and there. I worked a midnight shift last Saturday, so wow, that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it hurt real bad. But, um, you know, I feel very much that my role there is a gap filler. So when there's gaps that need to be filled, we fill it. So whatever that means at that moment is, is how I do my job. So... So you've had an interesting year, right? You, yeah. you became the chief of police in February of 2021, mm-hmm. um, basically not even two months after police reform was passed in the Commonwealth. Right. Uh, transition into this new job as the profession and the field is transitioning into this new era. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you were sworn in in the midst of of the pandemic right right? to take your oath of office with a face covering on Mm -hmm. um and so you know lots of changes going on and you step into the breach and take on this new role amidst all of that so don't say i didn't warn you (laughs) you did (laughs) um but why why did you decide that it, it was time for you to step up and take on that role well ironically we used the word voluntold you know, a short time ago. And we were lucky enough to have Chief Riello as our interim chief for a few months um, while the search was on for for chief. And, you know, full disclosure, I had no intention of applying for the job. I loved being the day shift sergeant. I was still on patrol, had a little bit more responsibility, just really liked what I was doing. And he was there a few months and he pulled me aside and he said, hey, listen, you know, I, I really think you should apply 
for this job. And I said, well, I appreciate that, Chief, but I, I don't really want to be the chief. And he looks me right in the face and he says, I didn't ask you what you wanted. Um, and <laughs> I said, okay. I, I've had similar conversations with Chief Riello. Yeah. So I went home and I talked to my family and I said, well, you know, you know, and he asked me some pretty tough questions about if I wanted the department to stay as it was, you know, for the last several years, or do I want to change it? And and that was pretty much the motivating factor for me is, you know, we, we needed to get out of the rut that we had found ourselves in. And um, why not me at that point? You know, I love my town. I love my department. And if not you, who? And that was kind of the question, you know, and if it wasn't going to be me. Who is it going to be? And, and how is that going to go for all of us? So, you know, I looked around at our officers and I talked to all of them before I put my resume in and they were all very supportive. And, you know, the rest was a very difficult hiring process. I will tell you, it was against 23 other very talented people. And, you know, the assessment center was was really fun. Um, it's like a five-hour interview on steroids with, with chiefs that I don't know. And that, who, who did your assessment center? Um, Mr. Sampson, Chief yeah, Sampson. So public safety consultants. So public, yeah. yeah. And uh, so it was pretty intense, um, you know, but the process, like it started, I had to complete six essay questions and they were pretty much graded and I made it through that round. And then the next round was... Um, you know, an interview with the company they hired to, to vet candidates, and they had a hiring committee made up of residents and people from our community. So I had to go through an interview with them, and I made it through that, and then um, the assessment center, and then I had a public panel that I had to, to go through, and then I had to interview with the select board publicly, and it was like a, a show of Survivor. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had no idea. It was pandemic. Everything was Zoom. It yeah. was awful, you know, trying to interview publicly by Zoom. And it was so funny. I had, you know, my immediate, like my brother and, and a couple of my very close friends and neighbors were at my house. And it was, they were literally picking who got the job on live TV. TV. <laughs> and I had no idea if I was going to get the job. And, you know, and, and they unanimously selected me, the select board did. And um, next thing I know, my front door bursts open. And again, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And 40 people come through the door and they have balloons and flowers and, and champagne. And I'm like... What if I didn't get how did the you job? Know? I'm like, yeah, how right. did you all know? Because I didn't know. And they're like, well, we would have just had fun anyway. So <laughs> right. um, it was, you know, a lot of support, a lot of public support. Um, you know, I had one of our select board members say, could could you tell people to stop writing us emails? My email account is full. <laughs> like, we get it. We get it. Everyone's very supportive. And, you know, I, I said no matter what the outcome was of that, um, the public support that I received was meant more than anything. So... You know, no matter what the result was, I was just, that was really nice. So That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so we talked briefly about you coming in during a, a mm. period of very significant transition, not just in right. Dalton, but in the Commonwealth. And I mentioned, you know, when we talked about your academy experience that mm -hmm. you you were already serving with the Dalton PD as a reserve police officer, right. a part-time police officer, mm -hmm. um, which... For viewers and listeners who have, you know, they listen because of Pittsfield, they, they may not understand this. And <clears throat> because we haven't had any of the other Berkshire chiefs on the program before, we haven't really talked about it. Until very recently, most Berkshire County police departments relied heavily on part-time police officers, right. reserve police officers. And in the case of Dalton, are you still civil service? 
Um, evaluate ironically, out. we left last week. Yeah, okay. Um, but we still have to have that signed off by the state. state but right. the town voted it out Th- unanimously. That actually was a big conversation at the chief's meeting yesterday. Mm-hmm. That the legislature is sitting on a bunch of these right. home rule petitions. Um, so, in a civil service department, it gives the the reserve program gave the department a chance. I, I like to say it's kind of like a, a working evaluation or kind of a tryout. Yeah. So the same list is used to select part-time police officers and full-time police officers. And what Dalton was doing was they would select part-time police officers off the civil service list Mm -hmm. and work them until they had a full-time vacancy. And then assuming nothing went wrong during their part-time time, time, Mm -hmm. move them from part-time to full-time off of the same civil service list. And the difference was that, and this is the case today, you need to go to the full-time academy before you can take that full-time spot. Uh, and you know the full-time academy is significantly different than the reserve intermittent academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dalton has been doing this for a long time. As a matter of fact, when we started looking at trying to get, because we don't have part-time police officers, never have, when we started trying to get our personnel in the door earlier, we actually looked at Dalton's process mm-hmm. to see if we could use the reserve component, not to put police officers on the street, but at least to get them in training. Um, and looked at your your policies as a model. And so one of the things that you had to face as a brand new chief in the early days of police reform is that part-time police officers that wanted to obtain post-commission certification needed to bridge. Mm-hmm. And I don't think when you were hired, we actually even knew what that meant. I, I don't think they had built the curriculum right. yet. That was later in the year. And essentially, um, Bridging meant they were going to have to complete several hundred hours of online instruction, four full days of in-person training for four disciplines that aren't included in the Reserve Intermittent Academy, and a couple thousand hours of logged duty time that could already have been accomplished as a reservist, and then they would be eligible to apply to the training committee for status as a full-time officer, which would them enable them to apply for post-certification. The, and when they built the curriculum for the Bridge Academy, there weren't any state funds available. They've tried to address some of that since then. And the reality that many chiefs had to face, yourself included, is that if suddenly a part-time officer who had been with the department for a little while part-time was certified as a full-time officer, they were going to be an attractive candidate for other departments, for example, Pittsfield, that would be looking at civil service qualified, full-time trained police officers. They'd be very marketable. And so the the host departments of these reserve intermittent officers or part-time officers were faced with investing a lot of time and energy in getting their part-timers trained up to speed and the imminent possibility of losing them right. as a result of that process. And I wouldn't even say possibility, I'd say probability, <laughs> you know, and rightfully so. And and so chiefs were put in a difficult position and some chiefs made some pretty significant decisions, including one of probably your most significant decisions because February is the beginning of the budget process. You went right into that. Right. And one of the first things you had to decide to do was eliminate part-time officers. Right. So we have traditionally kept a staff of five reserve officers, which is great. They filled in for vacation days, you know, in-service training. Um, They never worked alone. They were always with a full-time officer. Um, But that's how we would staff our agency. And, you know, when I started the job, the budget was two weeks late. So, you know, jumping right into the fire. 
And I went to the town and I had a very good understanding of the reform bill at that time. And I said, listen, we, we can't go on like this anymore. And, you know, we can't staff well and we need to hire two more full-time officers and you know we were down at this point we were down to two part-time officers because the reserve there was no reserve academy so anyone we hired from this point on had to either be certified already or they have to go to a full-time academy so uh, they gave me authorization to hire two more full-time people to uh, up our staff a little bit so we weren't so exhausted you know and, and everything we did was overtime because you have to staff these shifts you know we have a union and contractually and safety wise you have to fill these shifts so um you know we hired two one was a civil service reinstatement so she came back um you know in july and she had already worked with us for several years and had left um and then came right back and the second one we hired um it's you know and this is where i get like a little grumpy with the way things are right now is you know we he was my first hire we hired him in february you know right as i was uh, being selected as the chief and he went through our whole hiring process couldn't send him to a reserve academy because there was none um so he had to sit on ice and hopefully stay with us until a full-time academy opened and that was in october so i hired him february 21 he waited around till october just graduated on the academy in April and now he's in field training and so by the time we see him done with field training another couple months from now um, the hiring process would have went from February of 21 until what's May June July maybe July of 22 so we're we're talking 15 16 months to get someone up and running and you know with smaller agencies they're not gonna make it they can't they can't hire two additional people to cover those gaps and you know and that brings us to our other you know merger possibility that we're discussing currently so so let's uh let's transition to that and yeah. talk about your your potential merger yeah you're not the only you're not the only communities in Berkshire county that are discussing this so. right so you know as i just discussed and you know we just hired um we had a um you know an officer resign in january and i went through the hiring process and you know the officer or the recruit candidate that we we chose can't get into an academy at all. She was 27th on the wait list for June. So we're looking at almost 18 to 20 months before we see her working for us. So um, the Hinsdale chief and I are very close and work together very well. And Hinsdale police and Dalton police back each other up. I, I don't want to say daily, but close. You know, we're, we're always helping each other. You know, their officers are great. We have a great working relationship with them. And the chief and town administrator approached our town and said, hey, you know, with this reform bill, we're not going to be able to staff our department because our bridge people are probably going to take other full-time employment, and we know that. And so, you know, we, the town manager and I wrote a grant for a feasibility study. We got it, and we're in that process right now of that study being started, um, you know, but hopefully implementation is, is always tricky, you know, and how to how to do that. And, you know, we need to have a lot of community meetings in both towns and, and really get some good input on people's feelings, opinions, thoughts, and, and what their concerns would be. So before I became a police chief, uh, I had zero knowledge of this. And until I became a post commissioner, mm -hmm. I didn't, I understood it, but I didn't really appreciate it. So Massachusetts, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, we are a, um, it's colloquially referred to as a home rule state. And basically what that means is every municipality and jurisdiction has a legislative body, um, you know, staff, and, and they're responsible for 
for their own municipality. And while the Commonwealth provides a lot of regulation and a lot of guidance, decisions are made locally, home rule. And so that means, you know, most, not all, but most of the 300 and some odd communities in the Commonwealth have a police department Mm -hmm. and a fire department. And it can be a full-time police department with, you know, full-time police chief like in Pittsfield, or it can be a department like Dalton that is full-time police chief, full-time police officers, historically augmented with part-time police officers. It could be a town <clears throat> like Hinsdale, full-time police chief, many, many part-time officers. It, they, they run the gamut. And because of this home rule thing, um, it, it takes a lot to implement a program like mm-hmm. this. So, you know, the, the residents and the voters in both Hinsdale and Dalton are going to have a lot to say about this. Right. And what we've learned um, in the last you know year plus under police reform is residents have strong feelings about their police departments. They do not want to be seen as ceding authority for their police department to anyone, right. whether that be another police chief or some branch of, of the Commonwealth. They don't like it. And in many cases, they don't understand why. Right. So I had the opportunity a month or so ago uh, at the request of um, some representatives from the Berkshire Regional Planning Commission to attend a small town administrators and, and legislators meeting through the Mass Municipal Association. And I'm in this auditorium in high school full of local select boards, town managers, and they want to ask questions about police reform and specifically some of the stuff being implemented by the Post Commission. They were so angry, yeah, so angry. And this was after some of the funding for the Bridge Academy had been made available, so that part was gone. But little things like, and again, never supervised part-time officers, so I don't understand this. Um, communities losing, losing police coverage because the part-timers that they had been relying on had to go do these training days for the bridge. And so they're doing the training on days that they're scheduled to work, and there's nobody else to backfill. They just right. don't have it. Uh, so that one, that's a hard that's a hard situation, but okay, you manage that. You know, call the state police, they'll arrange some coverage or something, rely on mutual aid. But something that I had never thought of is, um, you know, one particular town administrator just seethingly angry. They're reservist who had to bridge had to go to the emergency vehicle operations evoc course mm-hmm. taking the town's only police car right so now there's no even if they can arrange coverage there's no vehicles right and and we'll be honest um you know evoc is intense it's a lot of fun but it puts a lot of wear and tear on a car and so we send backup cars right we we either send cars that are at the end of their life or depending on the timing, we send brand new cars that are under warranty. Right? We don't we don't use any of the midline like uh, regular line cars because you blow through the tires. It, it puts a lot of strain on the transmission. It puts a lot of strain on the brakes, and so these communities are losing potentially their only police car, and they're sending it somewhere where there's a possibility, slim possibility, it's going to be damaged. Right. Um, so, it, and no help in these regards from the Commonwealth. Right. So. There's just a ton of strain on, on small communities. And I, I would not. I've said this for my entire tenure as a police chief, and I listen to my colleagues at chief's meetings talk about some of the stuff. I, w- 
it, it's difficult being a municipal city police chief. I would never want to be a small town police chief. It's tough. <laughs> it's just the finances and the the you know unfunded mandates that have been placed upon us. It's you know thankfully I have a really supportive town government at the moment um, that listen they attend these meetings also um because if it wasn't for that you know we i'd be in a whole different problem yeah i can't imagine that most new police chiefs would be able to walk in in their first several weeks on the job and say i need to convert two part-time officers mm -hmm. to full-time officers with full pay and full benefits and the community would just be okay <laughs> that's pretty much how it went yeah you know and they've been it's been the community has been great like i said it's just you know they hear me they listen and you know i do my homework and I know my my you, stuff with that. You so. do do your own work. Yes, I do. Always have. That's <laughs> why I was lucky to be partnered with you when we were pursuing that. That's right. Uh, so we got a few minutes left, and I I happen to know because although I've you know, purportedly been off this week and getting a ton of emails, that mm -hmm. just never stops. Uh, I know that you have a meeting coming up with our former colleague, uh, retired Chief Troy Bacon, I do. who is no longer in law enforcement, but he's working. Um, in a law enforcement related field he actually sells body-worn cameras now that's right and so we had a meeting with chief bacon a month or so ago he came up to introduce us to his company and you've apparently scheduled a follow-up i have he's on his way back up here from the carolinas he is so um we're in the process of applying for some grant funding for body-worn cameras and i think you know the financial hardship it it puts on communities to purchase these um you know and it's funny i have a, a union and a group of officers that are very supportive of body cams, which most officers are. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to shed a light on the average person on what it is that we see out there. Because I don't think people quite understand, you know, when everyone gets cleaned up and everyone talks nice about what happened, they don't actually really see what happens. I think this is going to, it, it's actually going to help us, um, I, I think, overall. So, you know, my department's very supportive, but it's a funding issue. Um, so right now I have three different quotes that I'm applying into a, the grant that we're applying for. Um, you know, and I did include the potential merger officers in with this. So, you know, that would give us, you know, 18 officers total. And the three prices, would you would you like to hear? Well, so one it's, of the reasons I want to talk insane. about this is, as everybody knows, you know, this is a big topic of conversation sure. in the city of Pittsfield, and we're starting this process. We're a little behind where Dalton is, but yeah, for our viewers and listeners, please share um, the firms and the and the estimates that you receive. This is for the hardware, right? This is for the initial outlay of the hardware, right? And and this is for a five year contract so the bottom of the barrel price for 18 cameras and everything that goes with it and and cad implementation because um they integrate policy based not to get all nerdy on it but um, basically um the camera will click on based on the call that you're dispatched to right. so it, it takes that away from the officers where they have to remember to hit the power button and you know and it also has a sensor on your firearm so if you dry your firearm cameras on um and lots of other you know pretty neat things with it but so the bottom of the barrel estimate for 18 cameras and everything was $121,000 for five years. Um, that's 18 cameras. So, you know, this middle ground was $137,000 and the top of the line was $150,000. And if it's not for grant funding, if we don't receive grant funding, that's just not going to happen. Right. So so I have... I have Two questions for you. As a chief who was in the process, mm -hmm. right? Since so we can extrapolate those costs that you just gave us, you know, essentially multiply them by five mm -hmm. for, for my agency. Sure. Um, but and that's that's fine. Does the Dalton Police Department have a full time records clerk? So we have um, 
our my administrative assistant, who is a rock star, uh, Becky, she is a certified public information officer. Sergeant Powell and myself also are certified yep. in public information. So it's going to take so much of her time that I don't know how she'll be able to do it just for public information requests on videos alone. Um, it's, you know. So I asked this question because... So I've, I've been in many public meetings in the last month, and the topic of body cameras, everybody's like, you know, you're opposed to the cost of the body cameras. I have no issue with the cost mm -hmm. of the body cameras. None of us do. There's nope. grant funding available. But nobody wants to talk about the downstream intangible right. costs. Right. Those are long-term costs, right? right? So I'm fortunate. I have a full-time records access officer. Right. I have a full-time records clerk. And we've actually rewritten the... Um, Job description, so basically at one and a half between that person and the firearms administrator, firearms licensing administrator. Uh, but they barely keep up with the paper records requests That's that right. were required for insurance companies and court investigators and, mm -hmm. and all of those things that exist. And we're going to create another right. stream of records access. And it's complicated to redact a PDF in response, but it, it it's a... It's quick. It's a quick process. Right. It is not a quick process to review and redact video. Right. And so, well, the cameras are expensive, and the support and the storage that comes with most of the vendors now is also expensive. You can roll some of those costs into the grant. Right. You cannot roll the ongoing personnel costs and lost time right. into the grant. Yep. And so I had an email exchange with the lieutenant colonel from the state police. They, they average about... 300 video requests a month. Mm -hmm. Now they're significantly larger than us. We're not going to be near that. But let's let, let's say it's a fifth, right? So we get down to 60 video requests a month. That's two a day. Right. We don't have the resources to yeah. do that. Well, and that's the thing because redaction, you have to go oh, in and you, right. you know, in this program that I'm looking at is a little bit more redaction friendly than some, but you know, I mean, you have to go in and blur and there's not, you know, all sorts of issues, juveniles, and if you're in someone's home, or you know, there's a lot to it that we would have to learn. So, it, you know, there's been a lot of debate in Pittsfield about my position based on you know legal advice that I've been given about this audio recording thing, mm -hmm. and there's no good answers to that. Right. No. So Chief Bacon actually emailed me when he told me he was coming to see you. They've actually put a tech request in for that right. because most of the states where they do business don't have this unanswered question. Uh, I was reading the state police policy this morning and i was surprised to see because i had been told by a vendor this wasn't possible the state police policy requires that during the buffering period their audio can't be engaged mm -hmm. because they recognize that liability so their audio doesn't turn on right so the buffering period is the 30 seconds or minute of pre-recording that's captured they don't allow the audio track to be turned on until the device is physically activated so they anticipated part of this um but the the companies just were not prepared to deal with the weird idiosyncrasies of Massachusetts yeah, law. Right. Um, and then, you know, you've heard my spiel on this. It, the privacy issues are enormous. I, I don't think your average resident who is a proponent of body cameras understands. We're going to be recording in your home. <laughs> and there's no protection for you beyond the exemptions of the public records. Right. So right. Uh, lots of questions. We're just about out of time. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. You got to go back to the fire scene? No, I think, uh, well, I'm going to touch base with the fire chief here yeah. shortly and see how it's going. But I, I have great great officers today, and they've just been keeping me updated all morning. So We're going to have to have you back because we barely got you know? into your career. 
I'm just the beginning yep. and the end. Well, not the end. And body, and, well, <laughs> Let's the, hope the, not the, the, end. the book ends. <laughs> um, and body camps. Yep. So you've been listening to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, check us next week for another new episode. Find us in the meantime on all your popular podcast platforms. Until then, be safe, stay healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8. Yes.